0: Everybody, and welcome to another edition of Entrepreneur Rx, where we help healthcare professionals own their future. This week, I'm happy to welcome Dr. Sharon McLaughlin, who's a founder of the Female Physician Entrepreneurs and Sharon Mack Wellness. Sharon, really great to have you. You are a multidisciplinary entrepreneur, so welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I have to say that I really appreciate when physicians step out of the box and do multiple things such as you're doing. So thank you for getting the voice out there and amplifying other physicians.
0: Thank you. Well, let's talk about being out of the box. How did you, well, let's go back a little bit. How did you start your career in healthcare? You're a board certified plastic surgeon. So walk us through that. Straight
1: through, you know, always an overachiever, I think. Went to college, finished biochem in three and a half years. Worked the weekends to pay for college. Always was like in a rat race before it was medicine was even a rat race. It was just, I guess, what this type of stress that I bring on on myself. So it wasn't a surprise. Went to medical school, decided to do surgery and then plastic surgery. And about ten years in, I felt like I was getting really burnt out. I had since met my husband and I had a child. And that balancing act I found very hard. And I felt like I wasn't a good physician. I felt like I wasn't a good wife. And I definitely felt like I wasn't a good mom. So it really had me thinking, like, what is it? Like, what can I do? What can I give up? What can change? You know, we definitely had some marriage issues. And, you know, a lot of deep thinking. Do I want to keep this marriage going? Not Definitely didn't want to give up my daughter. So I knew that the practice, I thought the practice would be the easiest thing to change. So I ended up doing, going into utilization management and then keeping a plastic surgery business on the side, really just limited to injectables. I wanted to get rid of that ER call and that kind of like, you know, let's cut, let's meet me in the ER. My child has a laceration. That type of, like kind of more nine to five, if that was ever possible. And I will honestly tell you that when I was training, so many people had told me, don't go into surgery, you're a woman. And I really took offense to that at the time. But looking back for me, not all women. for me, it would have been better had I thought about other careers. So I'm sorry that I, I didn't think about that at the time. As far as my entrepreneurship journey, So many different things. When I was in plastic surgery, I thought about multiple streams of income. So I started with skincare, right? You know, to my patients, they liked it so much, they wanted it delivered. That was mostly private label. And then I ended up manufacturing a line on my own. I had cancer when I was younger. So I had a hard time finding lingerie that looked good on me, you know, after mastectomies. So I decided to design a lingerie line. I didn't have any experience at all. I didn't do design school, but I'm telling you, if and when you want something, it's there. You just have to Google it. You have to network. So we were in Long Island, not too far from New York City. So I was able to go in there. The fashion district was there. They have you know people willing to help you in the community and. The bottom line is there's always places to network. You just have to start increasing, widening your circle. When people say to me, how do I get started? Just plan it out. Think about what you really like to do. So as far as my job goes, I'm doing utilization management now. I did that for a few years now. wanted to do entrepreneurship. I never let go of that. So I started the Facebook group, Female Physician Entrepreneurs. And it's been going maybe about four years now. It's growing. I like it. It's a great way to network again. And I always strongly encourage collaboration because I think that's the best way. You can go at your own pace, but you will go further if you network and you're working together. And you really, you know, as physicians, we're good at talking, we're good at speaking. And we certainly know how to talk amongst ourselves. You know, we consult with colleagues all the time. So reach out, do that. It's definitely going to move you along faster. So what I'm doing is,
0: So how, many, how many female entrepreneurs, physician entrepreneurs, do you have in your Facebook group now? Over 7,000. Holy cow, that's amazing. And you started that just four years ago.
1: Yeah. It's been, I tell you, if people ask me about it, we could go off on so many tangents here. As far as starting a Facebook group, to this day, I still believe that of all the platforms out there, because I'm on all of them, I still believe it's the one that has the best community when it comes to a group. So if you're looking to build a community, I strongly encourage doing a Facebook group. And people say, well, how do you, you know, without going in and spamming the other groups, like follow me in my group. Really, if you just add value, even four years ago, I can tell you, I posted every day and it was like crickets, when nobody responded, were there were no likes, there were no comments. It felt uncomfortable. It really did. And still to this day, I will post and it doesn't get a lot of you know engagement. It's really testing is the bottom line. But if you take a community and you don't make it about yourself, if you make it about the community, it will grow because people like to feel included. They want to learn something. They want to grow. They want to network. They want to collaborate. There's got to be some value add that you're doing. It can't just be like me, me, me. You know, yes, it's my group, but posting about my group, it's never going to work that way. And I think that's a problem. And I think people want this overnight. You know, as physicians, we want things, right? We're go-getters, but it doesn't happen overnight. I can tell you that group didn't grow overnight. It was months and a lot of me reaching out to people, you know, asking, do you want to join? Do you have friends that want to join? Never really did any Facebook ads for that. I've tried Facebook ads with other things, but not so much with the group, but really it's just word of mouth. So I have the group doing wellness. And I'm a big fan of digital entrepreneurship. I really believe that digital marketing is great. It's like that laptop life. I believe that if you're not online, it's a real problem. So I really encourage everyone to have a website to do. Definitely collect emails. Email collection is not dead. I just did a post today in my group. Email collection is not dead. Everyone needs to collect emails somehow. And you may not know exactly what you want to do, But you have to start building that network. And, you know, I've been on platforms that close after I built a following. You can have accounts closed. I know people that have lost their Facebook accounts, YouTube accounts. So be careful with social media. Yes, it's really important to do and build a following, but make sure you have their email list. So I know we're touching a lot of different things. But uh, so one of the things I'm doing now is working with Dr. Coriel. We're doing with SoMeDocs course creation, and then we're hosting it on the SoMeDocs platform. So doing that, and I just in general like to, I'm very creative, so I love to build websites. I like building courses. Again, it's about amplifying physician voices. And even today I was on the phone with somebody, I'm doing a Zoom call. She wasn't a physician. But she needed help. She's opening up a business. And with the digital background that I have, I'm able to help her. You know, she wants to do like flyers and walk around to cars. I'm like, no, forget that. You will scale much quicker if you just get the digital marketing marketing up and going. Not to say there's not a place for one on one networking. I believe it's always going to be more personable if you're able to do it. You know, with COVID, we slowed down for a little bit. We were resuming and then the numbers are going higher again, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: they definitely are. So it seems like a, a real Mind flip here. Managed care utilization sounds kind of boring. I'll just throw that out there. Please. Does not sound like the purview of a plastic surgeon. And now, in your entrepreneur, those two things almost, those three things almost, plastic surgery entrepreneurs, and I totally get managed care utilization. Does that just happen to be the right place at the right time and it pays the bills? It or is that something the- you just found really? sunk your teeth into because you really believed in it
1: no it came along at the right time i was asked when i was doing plastic surgery when i had my child i was asked to do quality assurance for the hospital and i i tell this story but i remember like actually i ran into the cmo he's such a nice guy in the hallway of the hospital and he asked me to do this and i couldn't say no but honestly, I walked away and I, I had tears in my eyes. I was like, how am I going to put one more thing on my plate? But anyway, I started doing it and I actually kind of liked it. Then I started doing independent reviews and I built up a consulting business that did actually pretty good with that. And then I had a friend that was involved in a Medicaid plan and she said, what about you know, coming over and helping us out here? And I took a full-time job and I, I agree. There's a lot of bureaucracy, it's corporations. There's a lot of like, you know, performance and you name it. You know, the bottom line is I do have anxiety and that for me with being an entrepreneur, I don't do well when it's up and down. And I really like to know that this is my bread and butter and that job will be there. And I do enjoy it. I like enjoy the people that I work with. Sure. So that's a huge plus. And it gives me ample time. Like on my weekends to do things like this and the evenings to network with people, to help people like build their websites, to help with email marketing, to help with courses. And it gives me time to exercise and actually take care of myself, where I didn't have that when I was doing plastic surgery. You know, people think plastic surgery, oh, it's so cosmetic. I never wanted a cosmetic practice. So I did a lot of reconstruction and a lot of ER call.
0: So. Wow. So did you do the five plus two or three or did you do the straight plastic surgery?
1: I did five plus two.
0: Wow. So you did you did the old school version of plastic surgery. Wow. Yeah. And so did you ever think going through pre-med and medical school that you'd be where you are today?
1: I knew that even back then, I would say to myself, I was always interested in entrepreneurship. There was a medical student who was doing different things. And I, was always, I loved talking to him because he thought out of the box. It wasn't like the straight. For me, I don't consider myself a naturally smart person. I had to study, 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 like people would probably study half as much and do just as well. But that was like my break talking to him because he was full of ideas and he wanted to try this and he wanted to try that. So I think back then I knew that I wanted to do something outside of medicine. I just wasn't sure what. So I've always kind of kept my mind open to different things. And to this day, like I still love those podcasts when we talk about entrepreneurships, well, like entrepreneur and just doing something entrepreneurial, like thinking outside of the box and letting your mind, there's so many ideas so many different ways to help people. It may not be in the exam room per se. There's lots of things that we can do with our background.
0: Do you you see COVID actually increasing the desire for physicians to be entrepreneurial?
1: I think it was coming even before COVID, truthfully. That's what I saw in my Facebook group. I saw a lot of physician burnout, right? I hadn't seen that before. I definitely can speak for myself. I experienced burnout. So I think it was coming before COVID. But I think COVID just made it that much worse. It probably expedited all these people who were thinking, you know, these physicians thinking, "I'll do it another 10 years. I'm in it for another 10 years, another 15 years." I think it shortened their span of, you know, what they saw for themselves long term.
0: Yeah, I agree. I've seen a lot more physicians, the EM physicians in particular, because that's the group I know the best, who I think before thought, okay, you know, we're in a recession-proof business, but COVID caused a lot of them to be un and underemployed. And so all of a sudden they had this, you know, uh-oh, now what do I do? And now that's really peaked up this entrepreneurial curve here for a lot of people. Although you started way before that, but it sounds like it picked up for you as well, or at least the people reaching out to you and joining your Facebook group. Is that Absolutely. Yeah, I would
1: agree with that, Joe. Definitely. So
0: what, what do you tell entrepreneurs, physician entrepreneurs now about getting started? Is it just one step before the other and you're off to the races? Or what advice do you give them?
1: There's no direct line. There's no path. What works for me may not work for you and vice versa. It really depends on personality, networking, what you really want to do, what you're passionate about. Yes, it can pay the bills doing something totally different, but if your heart's not in it, don't do it. You know, think about the ways that you can use your skills and what you like to do. And believe me, it will come. It may be writing, it may be speaking, it may be doing a course, it may be doing consulting work. There's so many things that we can do as physicians. And I really do think the sky is the limit. And I wouldn't get hung up on physicians are good at business because you're a prime example of physicians being really good at business. You know, There's a few physicians that I know, more so than I know than not. It's if Physicians feel like they're not good in business. It's more a lack of esteem or self-confidence. It's there, trust
0: me. Well, I agree with that. I definitely think it's a lot of, it's a lot of self-confidence. You know, you're a biochem major. I was a sociology major. I was, a, you know, do you want to have fries with your coke major? And But none of us have business training. And so I think a lot of physicians, you know, the ones I see a lot of, mostly men, Say, oh, I don't need that business course. I did, you know, I did great in organic chemistry. How hard can this be? And you know, actually business is kinda of hard. And you can get taken advantage of and it's not that easy. I think some people, you know, move into it very naturally and learn as they go, obviously, like like you did, and we're very successful at it. I think mine is a lot of years, a lot of gray hair and a lot of school for me to bat with you.
1: You know, this is what I think about that. I think for some, as physicians, we're always into the certification. That's what differentiates us from other people, right? So then we think everything we do has to have the certification. If I'm a life coach, I got to be like the best life coach, the most expensive one there is. And I may have to have that MBA if I'm going to do business. And I agree with that to some degree, right? But then if you think about it, look at all the people, like if you ever listen to outside of medicine, like something like how I built this or Masters of scale, they don't have MBAs they're out there, they're doing their businesses. Yes, some of it is a lot, a lot of it is just trying different things. They don't have MBAs, but they all pretty much have something in common. They all reached out to other
0: people for help. Right. And they all have grit. So are you, were you born gritty? Did you develop grit? Because you clearly have it. I have to,
1: you know, I've often thought about this. I'd like to think that we can teach grit. I'm not sure, John. I'm really not sure. I'd like to think that we can teach it, I'm not sure. But I believe that I was born with it. I because I look back in my life, I was always like, like I said, I'm not the smartest. I was never the smartest, never. People say, you know, from high school, I can't believe you got into you know medical school. When I put my mind to it and I did all those hours, I believe that anybody could have done it. I personally I think to some degree I probably have dyslexia. My grammar's awful, my spelling is awful. But you can push through these things. And you'll always come out winning if you're just persistent. And I see it in my daughter too. You know, from the time she was little, and ice skating. You know, with twenty degree weather, just getting up, falling down, getting up, falling down. And that's what made me think. I think we're born with it, actually.
0: Yeah. I don't know. When did you do your When did you do your general surgery residency? What years? It would have been, let me think about
1: this, 85 to 80, 89 was Stony Brook. And then from 89 to 93 was general surgery. No, that's not right. 89 to 93 was medical school. And then 93 to 98 was general surgery. 98 to 2000 was plastic surgery.
0: All right. So I have a, I have a few years on you, but how many women were in your general surgery program? It was very little. Yeah. So I, that was my point. I mean, I think just, I mean, general surgery... I work in a big teaching facility and i see the general surgeons and now the 50 percent of them or more are women and man you've got to be it is it is a tough residency i mean em was i had a blast you know we, we we worked but general surgeons it's a tough residency and i don't think it was kind to women now maybe it was better when you did it but when i was when i was in medical school residency man, they were rough on women i think rougher than on the men you had to be gritty to go through that and so coming out of there, I would think I can do anything. I mean, I survived these five idiots for five years. I can do anything. To some
1: degree, I think it depends on our personality. I think I have imposter syndrome. I had it back then, you know, when people questioning me and, you know, yeah. speaking so hard and like that whip out and stuff like that. So it definitely brings feelings back of like imposter syndrome. Like maybe I'm really not as good because they're saying I'm not as good. So I, you know, we think about imposter syndrome it happens more so in females than males but I still have it no matter what. But I do believe that if you're persistent and you come from the heart, like I believe that's really important I'm very much into honesty and integrity. That's always going to be important to me. You'll do fine. And I believe that sincerely. You know, there's there's people out there willing to help. Like if somebody called you, wouldn't you help them? Like that's your personality, John, just by talking to you.
0: Yeah, totally. But it's funny about imposter syndrome. And I, you know, you agree women have it more, Than men do, but it's funny. So, what I don't think people understand is, even though you did, you know, plastic surgery, general surgery, medical school, even women as successful, even people as successful as you, get imposter syndrome, and it's I I don't think people understand that.
1: It's alive and true. So many of us, I see it in my group. I would never want to like go into personal things with other people, but it's definitely in my group. It's a common theme in my group.
0: And they're all women physicians. Correct. Yes. Okay. Interesting. How do you think you ever get past that, or do you?
1: I think it gets better. I think networking helps. I think you know maybe mentoring, coaching can help. I do, and just being surrounded by positive people that are going to uplift you and not tear you down.
0: Do you think that's possible in in medicine these days? Let me phrase it differently. So, there's a book called The Confidence Code. Have you read that book? I have not. So it's by Claire Shipman and Katie Kelly, and it's for, for women. And, and I read it, but what struck me in this book was they interviewed the most high-powered women in the world, and to a person, they all had imposter syndrome. Every every one of them, and it just it seemed so ironic to me. You now again, I'm I'm a guy, and I'm you know six four, and I have gray hair. I walk into the patient's room, no one confuses me for anything but a nurse. Actually, one person did recently and said, "When am I going to talk to the doctor?" After a zillion years, I finally said, Oh my god, thank you. No one's ever said that to me, finally I get it. But you know, for women medicine, it's always, you know, when's a doctor coming in, like, dude, I just did a rectal on you. You know, who do you think I am? I'm the physician. It's gotta get old, but then you read this book and you're like, This is fans generations and continents and professions, and it's totally ridiculous. But it's here it is.
1: I think you have to think. I pick my battles. And so we can focus in on so many things, right? Like we talk about, like that life coaching model, like what type of thought do we have? I don't care if I get called a nurse. I know I'm a physician. So that doesn't bother me. Maybe in the past, it used to bother me. Sometimes I'll speak up and say something if somebody, you know, calls somebody doctor and then me by my first name. But at heart, it truly doesn't bother me anymore. It doesn't because yeah. I feel comfortable in my skin. Other things, I, can, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I think as we get older, too, other things seem to bother us less, right? We really put things into perspective.
0: Do you think being a physician today almost requires a certain degree of entrepreneurism to, to cover your bases, to give you an, to give you an out when you need it?
1: Absolutely, John. I do. I believe in multiple streams of income. You don't have to have it, but you should certainly be aware of it. I'll tell you, even my daughter, she's 18. I told her to start investing. I'm like, if you start investing now, do you imagine what's going to happen by the time you're 30, 40, 50? You know, that whole thing about retiring early. I don't know what she's going to do. She's thinking pre-med, but it's great to have options. It is, right? We all need options. So to get back to your question, yes, I believe that it's really important to be entrepreneurial. I believe as physicians, certainly COVID, we saw this, you know, we never thought that we'd be losing jobs. Then you have the mid-levels coming in too, which is you know competition with some jobs, some primary care and other fields as well. There's a lot of things that physicians are going through. And I think it's imperative that we keep up with education, diversifying ourselves, and really networking.
0: You know, it's funny, so I, you, you and I are very much alike, and, and I say this all the time for, to, to everybody, but the physicians in particular, you have to have multiple streams of income because we were all so just in this box of medicine that if that box fails for some reason, I mean, you know, like people are like, what do I do? I mean, I, I you know, I know, like I know no other skill. And, and like you pointed out perfectly, actually, there's a lot of stuff we can do with our background and education and training and grit. So that's what I try to make sure physicians understand. But a lot of them are so stuck in this head. This the only thing I know how to do what if something fails, I'm kind of sunk. It's interesting.
1: I would say invest too, right? Yes. One of the things that I'm doing, I don't know as far as you're investing. But I believe that if you have extra money or if you're making I hate to say decent money, but I believe no matter where you are, if your school owns a paid off or not, some people would argue that as well, start investing because that's going to help as well. It may go down the market, but it's, so, it's going to come back up. And the same thing with real estate, just there are a lot of opportunities out there. Start investing.
0: Yeah, so I agree. And it's funny, I don't tell people that, but, I, but I've been doing it for years Got have the same perspective. You know, it's that dollar cost averaging. You're putting some money in every week, every month. And it, it will, can, you know, it, it, it goes up over time. You know, the S&P 500, the Dow Jones, it, it goes up. And if you can weather those downturns, great. But yeah, sage advice. Were you always like this? Because I have to tell you, it's kind of rare to it's just kind of a rare sort of perspective for physicians, candidly, which is why we're talking, obviously.
1: Okay. In all honesty, with the entrepreneurial, yes, absolutely. With investing, no. I'm very conservative. I would go to Las Vegas and spend $5 on the slot machines. And I don't consider myself frugally. I have no problem giving a 40% tip if we're out to dinner, donations. I'll be online at a grocery store and pay for somebody if I think they're having a hard time in front of me. You know, that I have no problem with. But I can tell you that I had extra money Couple hundred thousand, and I just left it in the bank. Like, I had no interest. I was just too afraid to do anything with it. And I watched that market. I was like at an all time high. I was like, it's just going to go down. It's just going to go down. It never went down. It just kept going up. Meanwhile, my husband probably made, I don't know, he made serious like bank this past year with the stock market. And I wish I had done that. And now I'm just like, you know, Enough is enough. And now he's like, No, now you're jumping too much. in. I'm like, Let's just see what happens, okay? Because I'm going to continue working, and that's how I get into the real estate syndication because it's truly passive, and I need that right now. I'm not yeah. so sure that I
0: could be a landlord. I don't think so. So, what advice do you have for physicians who who are getting burned out? And there, I think that's an all time. You know, they call it moral injury, and I once I read the definition of it, I totally get it and buy in. What advice do you have for them?
1: Yeah, definitely invest. All right, definitely think about joining Facebook groups, network. I know I keep saying that, but you can't do this alone. And everyone's path to burnout is different. Everyone's escape from burnout, how they got out of burnout is going to be different. But I'm telling you, there's so many people that have been down the path already that if you just reach out to people, it's going to be easier. There are so many different groups that are available, whether it's investing, whether it's doing courses, Those, these are the things I'm most familiar with. There's so many things that you can do. There's so much that's free, so much, you know, that we have online that you can attend to. There's an investing one coming up. Just get in and start doing and take notes and think about what interests you. Like if you had time, what websites do you go to? What books do you read? Think about what you truly like to do in your spare time. There's physicians that are now doing yoga instruction, like there's all different things. They're doing coaching. That's a big thing. They're doing consulting work. It really is the sky's the limit. But it has to be what you're interested in.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, for me, being an entrepreneur, I was a hedge against burnout. So I mean, I was in the ED till 10 o'clock last night. And there are some days when you're like, oh, my God, just shoot me. But, but I still look forward to practicing medicine because I think I've done enough other things that I still get excited about it, that it's not drudgery, that it's not like it's not. I mean, there's years when I did only emergency medicine, but it's not true. There's years when I did a lot of emergency medicine, but it never felt like someone was holding a gun to my head that I had to do it. And I think that, for me, really staved off burnout because there was a lot of months I'd work 20 to 25, 12-hour shifts a month which now I would never do, but at the time, it was just what I had to do to make ends meet for different businesses, so.
1: John, I was looking at
0: your prior episodes. Did you ever do one on yourself, your story? No, I haven't. so I wrote, I've written some books and I'm always a bad example in my books. So I'm always like, hey, here's how I screwed it up. You know, you don't wanna do that. So I've been on some podcasts and and the books are my attempt to bare my soul of all the mistakes i made, and most of them are humorous and entertaining. But so yeah, that's my get it off the chest moment. I believe if you have multiple streams of income, or if you're getting income from somewhere else,
1: you're going to enjoy medicine that much more. It just is, it's not like you have to do it. And we all love medicine. It's why we dedicated so much of our time. If you went straight through, you gave up your 20s, or whatever it is, if you didn't go straight through, if you took some time off, you gave up a chunk of your life to get where you are now. So, you know, don't give up on that. But just know that you may have to do some other things. The path is going to look a little bit different than perhaps you had planned out. That's okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's probably the best parting advice I've heard. Okay, so last question. Where are we going to find you post-pandemic? Is anything going to change for you?
1: I think I'm going to do exactly what I'm doing now. I'd like to build up that group. I want to help other people. I think it's extremely important that people are business savvy. So I'm going to post more in the group about that. And build up courses and build up websites for people because I believe in digital marketing. I enjoy that. That's probably my favorite thing to do because I believe in that laptop life. And you can be a physician on your spare time. You could work a business by a laptop, through a laptop without actually being like in a brick and mortar. And that's something that most medicine, once you're doing telemedicine, doesn't offer. So
0: probably totally agree with you. Well, Sharon, thank you so much. It has been a real pleasure to chat with you. You can find Dr. McLaughlin at SMMcLaughlin.com F A C S at yahoo.com is her email address. And find out more about her is SharonMacMD.com and SharonMacWellness.com. And you can join Physician Entrepreneurs Facebook group. On Instagram, she's at SharonMacMD. And on LinkedIn, she's at Sharon MD. Did I get all that right? It's perfect. Thank you so much for Thanks. today. Sharon, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another great edition of Entrepreneur Rx. To find out how to start a business and help secure your future, go to johnshoefeltmd.com. Thanks for listening.